0: Welcome to another episode of the Prairie Perspective Podcast, presented by Player Athletics. Matt, here and alongside me is Eric, Carter, and Dinoosh. Boys, let's start with the big news. Mike Babcock's coming home to take the head coaching job with the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. We'll have more on it throughout the episode with Darren Drager and Victor Finley as they roll in to talk all about Babs. But uh, first, let's let let's get in our thoughts. Chetty, what do you make of the Huskies, Alain, and Mike to take over the program?
1: I think it's huge. I think it's awesome. I think it's good for the program. I think he'll be able to bring in a ton of recruits, maybe outside the WHL, maybe get some OHL, some QMJHL guys, maybe even some stateside guys that want to come and play for him. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. He's a proven winner. Um, yeah, he's had a few hiccups recently with uh, his coaching, but I think this is a chance for him to rebuild and make another name for himself. Eric, where are you out with it?
2: Oh, I'm pretty fired up, to be honest with you. I've never been so excited to come out and watch the Husky boys represent on the ice. I don't know. I'm just as fired up to see Babcock as I am to watch the games. I know Big Screeks coach maybe uh in the running for coach of the year if it wasn't COVID. Picked a sick team this year. You never know. I could have been in the running for that resume position for the Huskies if uh, the league continued. But It chose Babcock, what can I say? Um, So I'm just fired up to watch how that guy operates the bench. That's what I'm fired up. The classic lean over, scout the
1: situation, give it to the refs. You know what I mean? uh, I'm fired up. I just want to interrupt for a second. You talked about drafting the Saskatoon Screaming Eagles team, I believe, earlier. You had said that uh, you were only allowed one coach upon draft night, and you weren't that coach. So, uh, It's a lot of behind
2: the scenes that goes into it. I'm the guy (laughs) scouting from the corners, and I send the big dogs in to say, hey, Eric said this guy was an elite athlete perfect for the skrigs i'm not the i'm not the guy in the dressing room making the calls but i am the guy behind
0: the scenes tell them who to plug <laughs> okay well they are still looking for uh, an assistant coach and i have to say like i think that position like it was a pretty highly uh, coveted position before they ended up hiring babcock but i think like the opportunity to learn under babcock as an assistant and then eventually take that program over that's almost like as an attractive as a role in my eyes, you're gonna be able to get a big salary because that Babcock, he's getting he's getting the volunteer role, right? So there's gonna be a lot of money available for for a guy like that, which is a hell of a deal for the Huskies. They're not paying a guy like Babcock to come in. What a land for uh for big Dave Hardy and that Huskies Huskies staff. But I don't know what what do you guys think
1: about that? I think it's big. Talked about the recruitment side of things earlier, and just like you get a guy that comes in at his uh, first year out of junior, trying to play some competitive CIS hockey, and all of a sudden he's a third year and he's hit his stride. And now you're the head coach of that hockey team. I just think the talent that this team will have will be insane, and I think they're going to give like U of A a run for its money every season, like they have been for the past uh, while. But uh, I think Saskatchewan will be first place. Yeah, I
2: second that. I think Sask is going to have a hell of a season this year. I mean, it's pretty hard not to show up to the rink and want to bust your balls, especially if Babcock's your coach, you know what I mean? If there's some typical guy who's been maybe doesn't have the resume, it's a little easier not to show up, but when you got Babcock behind the bench, wow, everyone shows up for that guy. (laughs) But uh, the guys are just going to be so thrilled and fired up to learn, like, even if you're a player, man, like, playing for one of the best all time, right? Like, I don't know, Olympic gold, Stanley's, like, you name it, the guy's done it when it comes to coaching right like he has a mem cup too doesn't he he does yeah with uh spokane yeah so like what hasn't this guy done like as well speaks for himself
0: yeah absolutely he's yeah, already 100%. got a university cup and now he's going to be chasing another um i was listening to dave hardy today on on uh, sports radio and he kind of like threw out there that he uh, he just kind of gave Mike a call just to kind of shoot your shot and like that's that's a pretty like bold thing to do you know just fire up a guy like Mike Babcock with his pedigree and see if he wants to come to the University of Saskatchewan so you got to give him some credit like I know Darren Zary, reporter here in Saskatoon kind of threw out Babcock's name as a as a guy who could be a potentially a candidate but I kind of thought. Like it was, it was a stretch, so it, it's pretty cool to see it happen. And I think the buzz around the campus is going to be pretty legit. I think there's a lot of people, if you're just looking at like group chats and how many people were talking about how Babs is coming home, Babs is coming to the Huskies, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are really going to be uh, wanting to go to Huskies games.
1: Yeah, especially with that new facility. Like hopefully they can transition Merless back into a hockey rink. I know it's facilitated for a little bit of a hospital right now, but once that place gets back up and running, I mean, that's probably the nicest cis facility in western canada
0: yeah i think like with that whole situation i think there might even be a bit more of an urgency now with babcock home to even convert it back you know what i mean because it's like shit like we have to take advantage of this guy he might only be here for a year we'll get into that a bit later with drager but i think you gotta you gotta make sure you're able to capitalize on that rank being ready ready to go for for babs because i think there's going to be a lot of people buzzing to get in that building
1: yeah this makes me
0: think Shit, the Blades are
2: in trouble because now who wants to make their way out to the far north side of Saskatoon to watch the Blades play? When right downtown Saskatoon, All right on the campus, you can come watch Mike Babcock and the boys every weekend, Saturday, Friday, Saturday.
0: You know what every, they need? They need a little pub right beside the building, a uh, Leo's, Leo's Tavern. But how about uh, that? Hour, if you can have a specialist. like, yeah, three to six, you got a happy hour. Boys are crushing Leo's loggers. You just roll right into Merlis. It'd be an unreal setup. If you want to like recruit students to go to games, in my opinion, you need something something on site to to get them out there. Well, if
2: Babcock doesn't get you out there, then you're not true hockey. Yeah, again. yeah,
0: true. But if you're wanting to create like for so long, they've wanted to kind of create that like rowdy student atmosphere that you kind of see in the states, right? And I think that would be kind of a maybe. And then after the game, you can just head right to Leo's. Sorry. I think it'll be a. I think it'd be an unreal setup. You
2: know the bar on campus there? What's that one called again? Louis. Yeah, Louise, they need that, but in between it's, the hockey rink and the though. football. That's where yeah, they need exactly. it. In between it's, the hockey and the football, sure. somehow, need, maybe uh, attached to the pack or something like that. You need, uh, you need that's too field. far though, too. You need, but it's got to be in to between the football and hockey. License.
1: Yeah, no, 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 no. Fieldhouse needs to just get its liquor license. It needs <laughs> yeah, around. turn that into a club. The whole freaking, I don't even know, it's huge. Yeah, I, I went to um, the finals last year when the Huskies were playing UBC and the uh merlis was sold out and i gotta say that atmosphere was unreal like it was loud and like a lot of good energy in the student section was packed the beers were flowing and it's yeah it was insane
0: but imagine if you had that like every regular season game like that's probably a stretch but if you could have that place like kind of humming you know i Not think it that will level. be humming yeah, yeah i think it no. will be too i agree i, I guess the question is come if you hopefully we're at a point where we can get 100 percent attendance in to merlis by october you, you never know right but yeah, hopefully I mean, yeah. hopefully we get to that point because that'd be pretty disappointing if you can only really get 50 percent of attendance in that building because like this is a historic year really yeah 50
1: percent attendance doesn't really entice me to come out no exactly it's
2: all about it's like
1: uh exactly and well, you, you, nice you have to buy your tickets like you have to get them before the game a lot of these a lot of the boys just roll in with their student cards get the ticket exactly. get in
0: i think that's going to be and I think you're going to have to get your ticket ahead of time regardless for those first couple of games for sure. Like it's just going to be going to a playoff game. But boys, let's uh let's keep the Babcock talk going here. Let's send it over to Darren Drager, which is presented to you by our friends at Player Athletics. Mike Babcock, he's clearly thinking about the prairies and you should be too. Prairie 20. That is head over to playergolf.com right now and throw down that Prairie 20 promo code for 20% off your order today because we know the weather's warming. Golf season is coming. Get yourself some gear to get the winter days off your mind. Check them out today at playergolf.com. Support local, support us. Now to Drags We Go. Joining us now on the Prairie Perspective podcast. It's a Sasky guy through and through who set off an explosion within the province with a single tweet on Saturday afternoon. TSN hockey insider Darren Drager. Dregs, thanks for taking the time. You mentioned your tweet. This is a wild one. How surprised were you when you initially heard the news? And was this maybe something that you heard in your rumblings about?
3: Well, no, that's why I was surprised was that we hadn't heard any rumblings uh, leading up to it. And you know, I received a tip from a good source out in Western Canada saying you may want to check in on Mike Babcock because it sounds like he's about to be announced as uh, head coach of the U of S Huskies. And I went, hmm, all right. I mean, you know, when, when you digest it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Given the history of Mike Babcock in Western Canada, we know that He still has family in Saskatoon. His wife has family in Saskatoon, including her parents. So from a a family perspective, it makes a lot of sense. And knowing Mike, as well as I do, uh, that means a lot to him. So it was quick to, you know, I was able to come to terms with it very, very quickly, but in doing my job, you know, just because I get a tip doesn't mean you're on the social media and tweet out, Hey, here's a wild one. Expect Mike, Babcock to be named head coach of the U of S Huskies. You have to verify and confirm and go through a process. So, uh, probably took, uh, probably another 30 minutes, uh, before I could verify that this was actually happening. And then I tweeted and I gave Babcock the opportunity to respond via text. And look, this guy hasn't been the busiest guy since being let go by the Toronto Maple Leafs. He flipped me a text picture in response to me asking and it was simply a picture with him and I think it was his kids on a ski hill somewhere so uh, (laughs) at that point his priorities were not to get to me
0: what's what's kind of the buzz around the league when when people were kind of finding out about the hiring
3: Uh, well again a little bit of surprise uh I think because you know I don't know that anybody thought that Mike Babcock's coaching career was over, but I mean, there's been a lot of noise and a lot of layering to the reporting on the history of Mike Babcock, not just recent history and his demise with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but uh, you know, he's been under the radar for quite some time since being let go by the Maple Leafs. So um, I think that the NHL community, be it coaches or general managers were less surprised that he's getting back into the coaching field um and again you know probably not shocked that that he's going to university hockey to reintroduce himself to head coaching uh but you know more social media and media in general who just use the opportunity to uh, go after mike for some of the alleged incidents that he's been involved with historically speaking so there was a lot of that uh but i again from a pure hockey community perspective. Uh, I think that most know Mike Babcock well and know that at least in his mind, he was born to coach. So um, whether it's in the National Hockey League or in this case in university hockey, he is still coaching and he's still going to pour himself into coaching in the same manner that he would if he was moving on to his next NHL job.
2: How long do you think Babs will be with the uh, U of S Huskies? I know there's lots of talk on maybe a one-year turnaround here, two years because he's still signed by the Leafs, right? So what, what are your kind of thoughts on how long he stays? Well, he told,
3: yeah, he told me one year uh, and and the University of Saskatchewan announced it was a two year commitment when they verified that he was joining the faculty. Um, you know, his sole goal here is to give back a little bit. and and there might be some who are listening to this podcast going, yeah, right, you know, Babcock wanting to do others a favor. but uh, I've known Mike for close to thirty years, and I believe him, you know we've we've talked about the family reasons for him to, wanting to go back to Saskatchewan. But this is also if you guys do the research and and look back at the history of Babcock as a head coach in the NHL, go back to, you know, I don't know if we want to go all the way back to Anaheim, but we certainly can start in Detroit. And the assistant coaches that he brought in with him that then became NHL coaches. And then you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and the coaches there that have moved on. DJ Smith of the Ottawa Senators obviously uh, comes to mind in terms of, of, uh, you know, working with Babcock jumping from the oshawa generals of the ontario hockey league you know to uh an nhl head coaching job or or sorry an assistant job in toronto and then an nhl head coaching job in ottawa you know babcock does that by design so to have the opportunity to get back on that bench uh in saskatoon and then mentor his successor that appeals to him a lot and i can tell you that the group there are going through a pretty exhaustive process here now I think they've got their short list whittled down to probably now 10 names, I would say. Uh, And Babcock isn't heavily involved yet, but they'll get that list down to four or five names. And then Babcock will step in and he'll be part of the, the vetting and the interviewing process. And that individual will mentor. He'll be an associate coach or an assistant coach to Babcock with the Huskies. And then Babcock's plan at the end of next season is to, walk away and perhaps consider whatever NHL interest might be available to him at that point.
1: Yeah. You kind of touched on um, his previous assistant coaches like Todd McCullen and Detroit, Brad McCrimmon, and and they all found head coaching positions. So you got to think that whoever gets the call to be that associate coach at the university of Saskatchewan is going to be pretty happy knowing that he's going to get a good crop of recruits possibly and have a pretty good team in one or two years when he gets to take it over.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, maybe, and i i don't know i mean i i didn't pay much attention to uh what was going on with the u of s to be fair other than i knew that Adolf was leaving um you know a long time coach for the huskies and I uh, well okay well that's interesting and a buddy of mine um actually had some interest in in uh throwing his resume into the the ring as well i don't know if he ever did or not but then all of a sudden you know news breaks on the weekend that babcock is uh, taking over the coaching job and all of a sudden I have a few more buddies who are interested in uh, joining his staff, and I'm sure that Dave Hardy and the group there um, went from a considerable amount of interest because who's kidding who? I mean, this is a meaningful head coaching and and coaching assignment from Babcock now to uh, a mentor. So I'm sure that the interest level peaked in a hurry as soon as the news broke because look, it is it's it's a great opportunity um, in a normal environment, regardless who the head coach is of the U of S Huskies. Now you've got a decorated, international, and successful NHL head coach in Mike Babcock, who's who's coming in as the head coach. You know why wouldn't you want that one year experience, especially if it leads to you taking over the program after one year? So I uh, can't imagine that Dave Hardy and company have had any problems, you know, trying to uh, get interested people involved in the process
1: yeah it's kind of funny you mentioned dave hardy i know he used to be the recruiter at holy cross high school where mike babcock went and he tried to get him to play football and he wouldn't <laughs> bite but now he gets the opportunity to bring him into the university of saskatchewan so i think he's got to be pretty happy with that
3: yeah and look I, I look because of what you said i know that they've been buddies for a long 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 time um and and you know based on what we talked about a little bit ago you know this this hiring wasn't a slam dunk, although Hardy and company may describe it as that, you know, obviously, you know, again, because of the noise that's been created by media, uh, particularly national media, um, you know, there's going to be some blowback here, right? And and maybe there was, and I just didn't see it. I didn't pay attention to it on Twitter or social media in, in general, uh, but I give Dave Hardy and that group credit because they're looking beyond that and recognizing Uh, the value in bringing uh, a teaching coach like Mike Babcock into the mix. I mean, you know, most of the players, if not every player that is going to play for Mike Babcock, play for the U of S Huskies um, comes from a long line of of successful teams. Right. And probably played for a variety of different coaches. Um, So the one thing with Babcock is he's an excellent communicator, uh, but you know, you, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be prepared. And That's from the start of training camp coming into the season. If you've kind of half-assed your way through your off season and you've trained, but you really haven't committed to training, he's going to expose that pretty quickly. And, you know, he's not going to browbeat or, or go after that player. He's just going to give another player an opportunity to take your job. I mean, that's, that's just kind of the cycle of life at any level of hockey. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly these young players uh adapt to his coaching style but i'm sure that they played for some hard coaches in their history so it's not going to be a huge adjustment
0: drags will just close with a quick couple rapid fires here friend of the show connor olenic he's reeling in a uh, fantasy hockey league with the loss of panarin he's got a quick hunch on how long he's out of the lineup for
3: you know what? Uh I don't know. Um and you never know with these things because it's not an injury, right? Yeah. Let's let's hope sooner rather than later and aside from the fantasy pools, uh, <laughs> I'm more <laughs> concerned with Artemi Panarin and his yeah. family. I mean, this is such scary stuff, right? And and you know, trying to separate fact from fiction in my job when it comes to things like this is is next uh to impossible, especially when uh you you involve Uh, the Russians in a number of different ways from the politics in Russia to the Russian Ice Hockey Federation I mean it goes on and on and on so what I know is that the New York Rangers have put no timeline on this they're going to give Panarin all the time he needs to manage his affairs both uh, in North America and in Russia and make sure that he is mentally and physically healthy enough to return to the lineup but I I get the sense that he'll be back sooner than later. I just don't know what that means in days.
1: Kind of sticking with the New York Rangers, we got Alexi Lafreniere being the first overall pick, and he's a bit of a slump thus far this season. Yeah. You think he's going to pick it up here towards the midway and um, second half of the season?
3: I do uh, because, you know, I, I I believe in the body of the work, and, you know, uh, he's proven internationally, you know, certainly in major junior hockey that, you know, he can be a star, but guys – this is just a a slap in the face of those who who wonder how easy it is for these top picks to step into the national hockey league and be impactful right from game one. That's, that's just not how it works. I mean, I watched Tim Stutzla uh, you know, who's uh, who's starring with the Ottawa senators. And I'm, I'm amazed at how quickly he's picked up the NHL game. But again, keep in mind, he played pro hockey playing in Germany before he was, was drafted top five into the national hockey league. Uh, And then I think of Jack Hughes, first pick overall last year with the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, people were ready to call him a bust. Um, You know, my son trained with Jack. I know that family very well. I watched Jack play countless times here uh, in the GTA. And I didn't know that he was destined to be a great NHL player. You can't know that when you're watching, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old players. Uh, But then I watched him play at the program, the U.S. National Program. Uh, I watched him play at the men's world championship with team USA. And I went, yeah, this kid's going to be good. And now you're seeing how good he is this year with the new Jersey devils. It's just a completely different beast. I mean, you know, I talked a little bit about the training that Babcock has demand of the Huskies. Well, look, that's, that applies in trying to make your way in the national hockey league. And even though as a, as a first pick overall, you feel like, your training routine is as good as it needs to be. And you feel like you're working as hard as you physically possibly can. And then you see how the guys train to be NHL players and you go, okay, hold on a moment. That's that's a little bit different. So Jack needed that experience. And I'm sure Alexei Lafreniere will go through the same thing, but I have no doubt he's gonna be an impactful player. If not this year, then certainly next year or the year after, we just need to be a bit more patient
2: one close to home here. I know the Edmonton Oilers have been a bit of a talk lately. have been a bit of a wagon here lately. Um, Do you think they finish in the top four in the North?
3: Uh, I do because of, of the obvious and uh, that's the star power of McDavid and dry saddle. And, you know, they've got some other pieces that have really kind of wound back into form here. Like Darnell nurse. I don't know the condensed schedule. if He can continue to play the minutes that he is playing. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost unbelievable and again it speaks to the conditioning level of these top athletes uh their goaltending tending is stabilized right um you know mike smith is is pushing the way he needs to push they're getting better starts now at amiko koskin and then they did out of the gate uh Puyarvi has turned into a, a real nice developing story so of course they need some other pieces to continue to do what they've been doing or be more consistent in doing what they're doing but if if those pieces are able to do that, I also wouldn't, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't expect Kenny Holland not to try and do something to bolster that team. I don't know what that is because like so many other clubs, they're up against the salary cap, but <clears throat> he always seems like he's in it in some way, shape or form. So because of all of that, I could see them in the top four.
0: Dregs, this is awesome. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. All the best here going forward.
3: All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you getting up early to uh, (laughs) to deal with my schedule here in Eastern Canada. So uh, be well, and I look forward to joining you guys in the future.
0: Boys, let's swing it over to football here. Big trade last week. Carson Wentz being dealt from the Eagles to the Colts in exchange for a conditional second rounder in 2022. Can turn into a first rounder if he plays 75% of the snaps for the Colts next season, as well as a third rounder in this year's draft. This one's been uh, long rumored. The fit made a lot of sense with uh, Frank Reich being, being I uh, believe the QB coach in Philly when they won the Super Bowl. So, Chetty, we'll go to you first. Wentz is out of the division. Jalen Hurts is officially the quarterback of the Eagles. What do you kind of make of uh, the Eagles' long-term prospects? And do you think this was kind of the right move to move on from Wentz right now?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, Carson doesn't want to be a backup in Philadelphia, and Jalen's the way to go. If you're an Eagles fan, I mean, you got to be excited for the your QB one for the future. For that win straight i mean you got like not you didn't get a lot for him but i don't know how much you could say he's worth he's a super bowl champion but um obviously last season he was brutal so him going to the Colts, um that's a football team with a with a great offensive line a good running back in jonathan taylor and a steady defense so if he finds a way to come out playing well i mean that colts team is kind of dangerous i mean philip rivers made him look decent but i don't know i've never been a i've never been a Wentz fan though so i hope he uh well i'm I'm happy for him to get another starting position but also a little worried because i think jalen hurts can make some noise
0: <laughs> i'm a little nervous about him too but i'm happy the, the eagles didn't get a first rounder back this yeah, year. yeah me too eric bears were kind of in the mix here how thankful are you that he's not heading to Chicago and uh how would how would you have felt if they maybe went that exact trade if they went a second that could be a first next year and a third for him.
2: I would have been all in for uh Wentz coming to the Bears. Like I, I like him as really? a quarterback. That surprises a me a potential bit potential still. Um obviously I think obviously the trade would include Trubisky to some extent. And I think the Bears would have should have received some picks uh, for compensation and taking on Wentz and his contract, because we all know it's astronomical. It actually, it
0: isn't actually bad enough for Indy because the the Eagles actually have to soak a ton of that contract. Still what Indy's taking on is actually really minor.
2: Oh, that's nice then. Yeah. So looking at that then too, I would have really liked him on the bears. However, I do think for Wentz, I think the best option is with Indy and is a team that potentially could go on to win now. Like their defense is elite. Their offense is nice and put him in there. Who knows if he has a good year? I think they could uh, for sure be a solid playoff team. But uh, looking back on all of this Wentz drama in Philly, I just remember what the Eagles gave up to trade up to get him from the Browns. Like I was reading here that the Eagles gave, or basically jumped up to get the number two pick in the 2016 draft, and they also acquired a t- uh, 2017 fourth rounder. But in that mix, the Browns got the number eight pick in the 2016 draft, the number 22 pick in the third round of the 2016 draft, the number 100 pick in the fourth round in 2016, and a 2017 first-rounder and a 2018 second-rounder. So, like, they were so invested into Wentz. And then to just ship them out and trade them just like that, like, wow, they have uh, botched this whole situation. Hey, my,
0: my pushback would be I know he wasn't the guy who ended up getting it done. Ultimately, it was Nick Foles that won the Super Bowl. But if you told me that the Washington football team could give up a package like that and we'd win a Super Bowl three years later, I'm taking it in a hurry. I think Eagles fans are... uh a little grumpy right now but you do all this to win a super bowl in my opinion like i would take i would take a couple years of failure for for one super bowl for sure
2: for sure for sure you take the super bowl but at the end of the day you want to come out a super bowl with your quarterback in year two of his his draft and be a prominent piece on your team for years to come. You don't want to see him just flipped out of the, the next coming year, three years after he's been drafted by your organization. You know what I mean? But at the so same time, that that he became
0: expendable because they made a good, tra- uh, good draft pick with Jalen Hurts. If they didn't take Hurts, maybe you're riding it back, but I think he showed a lot of potential this year that made Wentz expendable. That's part of the reason why they traded him, right? So you got to give him credit for bringing in a guy that could replace him when last year. They probably realized that, hey, this Wentz guy, I don't know how long-term we want this guy around.
2: The way I look at it, though, I see Wentz going into the Indiana Colts organization. I think he's going to put on Absolute Clinic this year. I think he's going to be a man amongst boys, and he could be in their front runner for potentially an MVP. You never know. And then you see Hertz back in Philly. I think he's just going to be typical. They're probably going to miss the playoffs again, obviously.
0: Well, they're in a division with an absolute powerhouse.
2: I was just about to mention the Skins. And (laughs) uh, the Skins, better team than they are. Even you look at the Giants. The Giants are a better team than they are. Cowboys, I don't know if I'd put the Cowboys in there because, fuck, it's a shitstorm down below. And, yeah, so you just don't know. I don't think Hurts is your guy long-term. I think he's okay, and he showed flashes, but I still don't think he's... I think there's better options out there.
0: (laughs) I'm curious what these options are here, Eric. Jesus. Bring in Mr. (laughs) Cam Newton. Oh, you're muted. You're muted.
1: Chetty, what's your rebuttal here? You just went after your Cowboys. Well, I, I mean... I'm happy to hear that he doesn't think Jalen Hurts is the real deal because that's a good sign for a Cowboys fan. But I mean, he had. I I just think that I like going back to the Wentz thing. I just think maybe the uh, Colts are going to be looking at a Nick Foles trade about eight games into the season. See what they can get. Get the tandem duo back together. Maybe make a run at a Super Bowl. As for Mister Ballin with his hot takes towards. uh, my cowboys i understand that there's yeah there's obviously a lot of question marks heading into the 2021 season but um for him to say that they're uh like not is be wrong is it
0: not a shitstorm storm though it is a shit storm
1: but okay. i mean I, I i mean, as a roster i mean that's the best roster in that division by far all if everyone's healthy
2: and they're uh get get along
1: yeah they'll get along i mean who knows Demarcus Lawrence has been tagging JJ Watt and a ton of stuff on Instagram, so maybe JJ will swing to Dallas, which I know probably not because it's the only t- two teams in Texas. But you never know. Well, because JJ wants to win a Super Bowl. Oh, he better go to Chicago then, because they're really good. Hey, they're better than the Cowboys. Oh my God! No, know it. That's Proven. fucking terrible. Proven. You're terrible, man. Mitch Stravinsky's horrific. And same with
2: a broken leg, Dak Prescott, who may never be the same. True. Uh, I'll roll the dice be... on
0: Dak, then I'd take it on Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, DB, you've been awful quiet this episode. How do you feel about Wentz going indie? They're in the AFC now, along with your Baltimore Ravens. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be tough sledding to get out of the AFC with uh Patty Mahomes and the likes of uh Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Cleveland Browns, who figured to be a good team for years to come. But how do you feel about it?
4: I think it's a good uh, trade. You know, new face for Mr. Wentz. He goes over there to Indiana. Fresh start. Indianapolis. I think he's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Indiana. And
0: Eric shit, did the man. same thing. Great game minds game. think alike, DB. And you said, dude, isn't that.
4: Indiana the same thing?
0: Indiana's the state.
4: Oh, it's all the same, man. Yeah, I guess. Great minds think alike. You're right, buddy. <laughs> Anyways. Minds. So, yeah, he went to that state. You know, fresh start for the kid. I mean, he's kind of getting older now, but fresh start. And then you're rolling the dice on Jalen Hurts, man. I think uh, I've always always been a fan of that guy from the Oklahoma days and shit, you know. And uh, I think he's going to get a chance to show out this year. And it seemed like when they left, they were on really good terms. Like, he was kind of like passing the torch to Jalen think he even made an instagram story or something like that i saw oh, so that that, that meant they're on good terms i do not think they're
0: on good terms at all I think yeah man. was like you know
4: business is business and then like instagram says uh, so yeah i yeah, guess so this hey. is business instagram and then, news uh, yeah, yeah might be a little unreliable but you know you gotta go with what you see and uh <laughs> yeah i don't know man i think it'll play out well for both teams but, uh, yeah, with Patty Mahomes over there, I don't know if it's going to help the Colts uh, progress any further. but they might get to a second-round game with uh, Baltimore or Cleveland or somebody. But
1: Did you see that uh, Carson Wentz called up Michael Pittman and was like, what's going on, brother? Can I get number 11 from you for the upcoming season? Pittman says, nope. <laughs> Won't give it to him. Wow,
0: that's an interesting move for Pittman. I'm doing anything I can to get a couple extra looks from the new quarterback in town.
1: Oh, that's the wide receiver one. So, yeah. well, I
0: guess T- is Ty still relevant nah, Pitt- over there? Pittman's their one, I'd say. Yeah, that's a typical wide receiver mentality right there. Though Carson probably could have chucked you some cash. Oh,
2: pop the guy got
0: He's got a lot of it. You know, I- you kind of be the new teammate. You welcome the guy in. It's a classic wide receiver move. We love to bash the wide receivers on this show. It's another prime example.
2: Hey, speaking of uh, bashing people, did you guys see that Cam Newton video with, like, the, the kid the who was attending his football camp? Yeah, <laughs> that was crazy. Oh, hey? my God.
0: The kid, the kid came out with an apology today. Oh, did I sure he? hope he did. <laughs> did,
1: you, did you read it?
0: it? It was just a bunch of, like, it's it sounded like his, like, parents.
1: Yeah. Like,
2: wrote it. Oh, I sure hope the parents made the kid. Like, oh, you're at Cam Newton's football camp, and all you're doing is telling him he's broke and sucks Yeah, ass. I love how he's, like, tripped <laughs> him that
0: he's a free agent. Like, yeah, you're buddy, you're in agent. high
2: school football. I've won a Heisman, I've won a Natty, I've won yeah. went to a Super Bowl, I've been the MVP, I'm worth $100
0: million. <laughs> Who are you? If I'm Cam Newton and the guy was doing that, I'd be fucking pissed. Well, I mean, you can't really go at him too No, you can't. It was like excited. 17. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: I loved his response,
0: though. I'm rich. <laughs>
1: I that was fucking awesome. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, man, that, that made my day. I watched that. I usually don't watch stupid videos and TikToks and shit, but I watched that one. Oh, my God, that was unreal.
0: Cam mentioned he's rich. But anybody following Dinesh's picks the last two weeks are definitely not rich. Dinesh, you've been absolutely struggling out of the gate of this new segment. Two missed cuts for your guys here at Pebble and Riviera. You know, you gotta make it up to the listeners. This segment's on the hot seat right now. Your picks are on the hot seat. We need you to we need you to bounce back this week. Who's gonna who's gonna be the pick that's gonna attempt to do that as we head to the WGC?
4: This week, I gotta go. Take a guy that lives on the West Coast, but is playing really good golf. My guy, Patrick Cantley. He used to call him Patrick Miss back in college. Every week, he's in the top five, top eight, top ten. He's already got a win under the belt. And uh, unlike Finau, he knows how to close. He's pretty cold-blooded.
0: That's a a low blow at our boy. Yeah, no kidding.
4: Uh, So uh, I'm going to have to roll with him, man. He's been playing very well climbed I think into the top uh 10 in the yeah, world I think rankings. Yeah, he'd be a top
0: 10 player in the world right now.
4: And uh he's been a quality player for the last about like 3 4 years. And uh yeah, it, I could see him racking up another win. Okay,
0: so I'm curious here DB you said, you said he's a guy from the west coast but they're heading out to Florida. So I'm curious what uh what the mentality, what the what the mindset is there for this one.
4: Yeah, I could have went with the hometown guy. Kind of, but just the way he's playing, man. Every week he looks like he's about to close the deal. These freaking Florida guys, man. You don't know hit and miss. Jt's have some uh, family. Family. Uh, yeah, his
0: grandpa. Stories. Is he is he gonna be playing this week?
4: Yeah, he'll be playing. He played last week too, but I mean, I don't know. He's not playing very well. Uh, DJ, you can never bet against DJ, but I didn't want to take DJ. Brooks, he already won. I think he's still partying a little bit, you know. I don't know if he's gonna. I think he's just gearing up for the math He's already got one non-major. So he's just gearing up for the Masters. And then, as far as the poor Rick's not in the field, so <laughs> did he? Oh, he didn't even qualify. No, because he's out of top sixty.
0: Oh, that's embarrassing, poor Ricky. Yeah, Countly <laughs> is uh plus eighteen hundred ten dollar wager can win you one eighty. That's delicious. Pick of the week, Chetty. I uh, hear that you've got a bit of a suggestion to throw in the hat too.
1: Yeah, he's obviously the guy I'm going to go with. He's a favorite to, he's one of the favorites to win the tournament, but I've always enjoyed watching him play golf is a guy by the name of John Rom. That's who I got for this week. But the uh, thing I really liked was when Tony Finau was in the, the playoff last week, John Rom threw a mask on and was uh, walking behind him and tailed along. I was like, Oh, that's a good friend right there. I'm going to take him next week. That's all it takes for me right there.
4: <laughs> yeah, th- those guys are really good friends because they live by each other and they play at the same course back home. So, yeah, they-, they know each other quite well.
0: DB, what was your big takeaway from Riviera last week? Obviously, it was Max Homo ultimately getting it done in the playoff after missing that three-footer that he could have uh, knocked down for Birdie there on 18 to win it. But he ends up taking down Fino in the playoff. You got a feel for Tony.
4: I-, I do, but uh I know Max has been playing pretty well. Like, uh week. Uh, obviously this week he won last week he top 10 and two weeks before that he was in the final group but he didn't show out very well in that final round so he finished like just outside the top 10 so he's been playing really well last few weeks and uh, as far as tony goes man i think his time will come but just uh not this week and like i don't know who tweeted it maybe grim Dillette, one of those golf guys maybe joel damon it's like uh it's hard to cheer for this playoff, man, because you hate to see any one of these two guys lose. Yeah, that was that Delette. Was... It
0: sounds like they're both really respected guys on tour.
4: Yeah, Delette's good, really good friends with uh, Max Homa and and uh, Joel Damon and that, kind of, and that JT Poston group. And then uh, Mr. Finau and Delette. Obviously, Delette used to live up there in Scottsdale, so they're, he's good friends with Tony too. But yeah, I don't know, man. It just seems like Tony can't shut the door. I guess he had a chance. He short sided himself in that bunker, but it's a tough bunker shot. But you got to give it to home after that. Oh, well, he uh, should have won. have He should
1: have won. won the first playoff hole. I mean, the fact yeah, exactly that you got to give it to Homa. against that tree. That was amazing. that was
0: ridiculous. Yeah, I'm yeah, happy to see home winning after. It would have been easy to kind of fold and really kind of lose your mind a bit there when you see that ball pinned up against the tree and know that you're kind of hooped. But
1: great resilience, got it up there and uh, made a four. We're going to talk about the fact that, uh, you guys see that interview with Tiger when on Sunday when he came on television? It's, no, eyes, I missed he's, that. His eyes are just beat red. I got to know what
0: kind of pain meds he's on for his back surgery. Speaking of back surgery, saski guy he tweeted out today Hey, Graham Dillette's he's undergoing another procedure. So hopefully that guy maybe can clean it up and eventually get back onto her plane regularly. But, it's been tough to see him kind of go through that
4: yeah i don't know man i really don't know if he's gonna ever come back and play yeah, regularly that's but... kind
0: of what he said but you're kind of just hoping for the guy to be okay you know live pain-free maybe he can play the odd round
4: of golf hell the guy sold his house in arizona moved to boise man <laughs> he's like we were talking i don't I think he's looking forward to that next chapter i don't know you wouldn't move from scottsdale to boise man like <laughs> you're leaving you he's starting your... to play
2: some football
4: yeah you're leaving your your golf friends there's a lot of guys who live in Scottsdale and, and he packed it up and he moved. I guess he want, I, I think go. if
0: his back was like better though, when he was playing, like like if his back ends up being okay and he can play golf every day. I think he would consider moving back though. Like if Boise is where he wants to be and he's not playing golf every week, why can't he live in Boise?
4: Yeah, exactly. But, um,
0: like, it's yeah, not like this guy's like short for funds and he can't ever move back to Scottsdale. Oh, he's stuck in Boise. He's never going back.
4: Yeah. But I, I don't see him ever going back. If he's a, even if he comes back,
0: that's if he's not comes just back. our golf analyst. Now, now he's our real estate analyst. Dinesh <laughs> yeah,
4: man. I mean, uh, Graham's not the only one. There's some other guys who live like outside these golf hubs too, that are like fairly decent players. It's just, uh,
0: so that kind of goes against your point though. Does it not? Yeah.
4: It just kind of goes against my point, but, <laughs> but I'm saying the majority live in these golf hubs. And then there's obviously, yeah, some players that like that live, uh, outside like i'm pretty sure keegan bradley lives like and uh then there's guys who like homa and nick taylor you know every once every few years they just keep chopping off wins that'll take them a long ways too man so credit to that too
0: boys our last segment of the episode we'll uh close it out with some local talk sponsored by elkridge golf resorts chetty speaking of golf resorts i know this one hits close to home for you willow's country club they made some news here the other day coming up with some uh, plans and designs for their envisions of what's going to take place across the road from the clubhouse there. Red Barn no longer. They're looking at a Scandinavian spa. I think this is a, a great <laughs> idea. I think it's going to be electric. Great p- place to maybe take the lady. Chetty, are those kind of the the thoughts that are racing through your head right now?
1: Yeah, I think I was kind of like <laughs> starstruck to read it, honestly. Like, it's insane to think that Saskatoon could get something like that. They um, got the spa out in
0: Moose Shaw. Yeah? I think that yeah. place does pretty well. Don is a big yeah. fan of it.
1: All right, all right,
0: but uh... yeah, yeah,
4: people go there once in a while if they got absolutely nothing to do. Better.
0: <laughs> um, would you ever yeah, go just... there, Dinesh?
4: No, but my parents, uh, I swear, they used to go once a summer when they got absolutely nothing. Quick drive to Musia for a couple one one night, hit the spa, come back.
0: I think it's a better uh, winter destination.
4: Yeah, I don't think they ever go in the winter. They just go okay. like in the spring or summer. They hit the tunnels. I think they might have a friend there. quick. But well, I don't know, people I go see, there, man.
1: Just casually go see Al Capone once a year. <laughs> say what's up. <laughs> yeah. Um, But going back to the spy, I actually was, I caught a little bit of uh, CTV tonight and they had a, a Willows member on. He was discussing, and uh, he's not happy with it. He does not think it's oh a good boy. place for the building. Oh boy, who's and this I, member? Who's this I'm member? Not, I don't say names. I'm not that. Well, type he was of on guy. the news. Go watch the news. Bob Cram is his name. He's a Wiley. <laughs> oh, isn't vet. that
4: guy a hothead anyway? He's a Wiley <laughs> vet. Out
1: of the Willows establishment. Um, Bob, if you're listening, Dinesh, uh, apologizes
0: in advance. Yeah, but uh, you're he, a nice he, guy, Bob.
1: He meant he mentioned that they should think about putting something like that at the Concordian Club since it's shut down now and be honest, I don't know. I couldn't agree more. I think that's probably the spot we should look for. it.
0: But is it the Willows building it? Why would they want it off? Well, it's still on Willows property. Don't you kind of want it all part of one, though? You know, you got the clubhouse there. You make the walk across in the morning.
2: Post-golf, you're getting a little sore and stiff from shanking your drive. What better than I get a nice massage. And And I think they'll be getting in the the pools.
1: (laughs) There'll be a lot of foot traffic over in the Willows area now.
0: Maybe you can get some Swedish babes working there. Maybe some Swedish lifeguards. I'm intrigued. What would you say, Eric? Are you uh CC?
2: CC, very intrigued. Uh, I think it's a hell of an idea. You know, all those uh, retired old guys living around the willows—it's like uh, Paradise Springs around there. All the old guys want to retire around the willows, golf there every day. And those guys, you know, they're old. They made their money. You know what they want to do? They want to hit the links. They want to f- rejuvenate in the nice Scandinavian spa post golf game, and then wake up drink their coffee, and do it all again the next day. I think it's a hell of a selling price. And I think uh, maybe they all have a golf, Scandinavian spa membership price. I think it I think it has <laughs> sweet potential.
0: Dinesh, I can just see you. You know, you rip your nice Marshall shift Saturday afternoon, a little 10 to 4 action, and you get your feet wet, head in the pools, get a little steam on.
4: Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know how many of these old guys are actually headed to hit this place up. I think it's going to be for people that don't golf at the willows or just just a regular person in saskatoon like i don't know like maybe How about this ladies like, like want to go like my mom and her friends or something they want to go for spa day or some shit i don't think it's going to be really anything to do with freaking old people half those old people they go to the states they do that shit the whole winter man they're not trying to do that in the summer in saskatoon Like, well they
2: can because there's not that option yet but now there is
4: no nah, i know but it's not going to change their mind i think i think it's more for the just just the average, the other people that don't golf are not there, but they want to get away because you don't, we don't have that in uh, like that type of facility in Saskatoon.
2: Just picture so now, this though. You people don't
4: it. have to go to Moosha, they just go here.
2: Just picture this though. You and your lady are looking for a nice night, nice day out. You don't want to spend any time with her because you just don't want to. You'd rather be on the links and she doesn't golf. So what do you do? You take her to the Willow's Golf Course. What do you do? You park in the parking lot, you go to the course, you go to Scandinavian Spa. Problem solved. What a perfect date.
0: Yeah. Dinesh, I, I know gal. you've kind of been talking Tinder a bit lately. You've been having some trouble wheeling the birds on there. Just imagine throwing down the line. Hey, babe, want to hit the Scandinavian spa today. I mean, Dude, that's electric. I have
4: been on Tinder for a while, man.
0: Yeah, that, that tells me that, it you know, the lines weren't working. But if you have the Scandinavian spa here, you'd be on every day. Every weekend, you know, you'd have a bit of a deal as a marshal there maybe. Maybe a little 50 off, a nice little massage. I think, it, I think it's right up your alley, DB. Yeah, maybe I got a big game. I think deal. you're a bit like a glass half empty approach right now. You know, us three, we're, we're all about it. We're optimists here. Yeah, I think you're a little salty. You're watching your Hornets lose. You know, you're going to be losing some money. And uh, maybe deep down, you know, that you're going to be losing some money on a massage.
2: Maybe they'll set up a gambling corner in the massage room, so you could get a massage and gamble too. Like, oh, whole. dude,
0: dude, they better have hot vilts in there. That'll bring in people.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know if VLTs and Scandinavian spas are kind of in the same uh, boat. <laughs> Do you guys actually see that guy from Roster? And I think he yeah, won one point wh- four milli. Uh, where was that? Was it Sports on Tap? Yeah, Sports on yeah. Tap. Yeah, could you imagine one point four milli? i would uh,
2: if i won that i'd actually buy that machine and frame it at my house <laughs> that's that my would first actually purchase. Be pretty sick that, i'm buying the machine that, that i want i cashed out i'm yeah. buying the damn machine that you just good. get
0: a get a new one to replace it i would think right you just pay for a new built. exactly you pay to yeah. install
2: the new one and you buy that one i think yeah it's exactly
0: and you, you that's
2: what i'm doing if i ever cash on well i'm never playing phil what a waste of money that is but
0: okay so so you win that's the first thing you buy yeah that's the second thing you buy? Stocks, baby. Depends how much I win. Okay. No, you win 1.4 million. Uh. I don't think stocks are the first thing, second thing you buy. You're you're gonna invest some money there, but I think you're you're getting a little sandy here first. You know, I'm not saying. Huge. Oh
2: yeah, I'll have a night out. I'll go on a ski trip or something like that. But okay. I, okay. I don't need a new vehicle or. A, actually, you know what I'd do? I'd buy a house. That's what I do. I'd buy myself my first house. It'd be pretty cool. I'll call it Mukasa Sukasa. All the boys can come chill, and we can have a nice betting corner. It'd be sick. Maybe we'll put a scan and even spawn in
0: the back. Okay, let's keep the uh, Babs talk coming here, boys. Let's send over to Victor Finley, <laughs> joining us now on the Prairie Perspective Podcast, the ultimate U Sports hockey insider. He's covered numerous university cups, including two national championships, as the play-by-play voice for Sportsnet. Victor Finley, Victor, thanks for taking the time. What was your initial reaction when you seen Dreg's tweet pop up in your timeline?
5: Uh, you know, I guess a little surprise, um, not totally shocked though, because I had, I had heard some rumblings about this way back in December, uh, although it didn't seem very legit at the time. Um, I I was a bit surprised at the timing of it all. I think it's, it's pretty crazy that, uh, you know, a guy like Mike Babcock would commit to uh, a school right now under the current circumstances where we don't even really know what a season next year looks like, uh, you know, it's so kind of odd circumstances in that sense. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, in terms of, and I've been thinking about this throughout the day, in terms of acquisitions, whether it's, it's recruits or or hires for programs, I would say this has to be the biggest in well over a decade. I mean, you know, I, I could think of a couple of guys that have, have come in in the past, like Dan LaCosta a goaltender who committed to UNB with a, an NHL shutout on his record with the Columbus Blue Jackets was a pretty big deal at the time. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't think anything really compares to this. That's that's happened at least in the last decade or so, so big day for you sports hockey to say the least.
0: What's your initial prediction on what there will be for a season next year?
5: <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't have one. It's, it's just too early to say for sure. Um, I mean, it, it was, it, it was just something that changed on a day-to-day basis, um, back in in April and May and and into June of last year too right when we weren't sure you know how long this would last and and how much of it would bleed over into the upcoming season so yeah I I mean really honestly guys I, I don't know what to say about what next season might look might look like I don't think anyone at U Sports knows what next season might look like either so it's just a matter of waiting and I think we'll, we'll probably get a better sense into the summer months in June and July as to where we stand on the case count and and I mean you know it, it could be completely different with it, you know in terms of what we see in the AUS compared to what we see in Canada West compared to what we see in Ontario right like we're seeing in junior hockey right now the QMJHL is going they've had a season going for a while WHL is just getting off the ground with their season the OHL I would say nowhere close to getting a season started right now so Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens where the AUS is in a better position to get their season started next year than the OUA and Canada West is, but I mean, at this point, it's anyone's guess.
2: I want to ask you, I know the last four years of my university career, it's kind of been Huskies and U of A kind of going at it for that Can West. How do you think this kind of elevates the Huskies program? Do you think this brings in new recruits just because Babcock's are like, holy shit, he's got the glitter written all over his resume, right? (laughs)
5: Well, I was talking with someone else about this today, um, another recruiter, and and we were kind of talking about, you know, what, what does Mike Babcock actually bring to the table for Saskatchewan? Because it's not like this program is exactly, you know, in the dumpster right now. Like, they, you know, they're one of the best programs already in, in university hockey and, you know, certainly right there with the Alberta Golden Bears. Um, so I, I would think one of the bigger impacts is certainly in terms of recruiting. But again, it's not like Saskatchewan's had problems, you know, bringing in high level hockey players, but they've traditionally done it with Saskatchewan guys that have played in the WHL. So it's a very specific recruit base in general for the University of Saskatchewan. So now that Dave adolf has gone and, and Mike Babcock comes in, it, it, who knows, maybe this is a guy from Ontario or, or looks to, you know, further west in, in you know, British Columbia, um, I, I know when, when Mike Babcock came in to coach the Lethbridge Stronghorns, the year they won the University Cup, I think it was 94, and, and it was a one-and-done kind of deal. He had previously spent time with the Spokane Chiefs and the WHL as their head coach, so he brought a bunch of those guys. Now, Lethbridge was in a bit of a different situation. They were a program that was kind of lagging behind, and he brought them to another level by bringing a bunch of the guys that have played for him in Spokane. Uh, over to, to Lethbridge. So it's not like Mike Babcock's going to bring in a bunch of guys from the Maple Leafs to the Saskatchewan Huskies. Although, who knows, right? Crazier things that happen. But uh, most of those guys wouldn't even be eligible. But I'm interested to see what happens in terms of of recruiting. Does Saskatchewan stay as a school that that looks to recruit local talent? It's obviously worked for them in the past. Or does Mike Babcock look to, to try and bring in guys from all over the country? Because you would certainly think the allure of having a Stanley Cup Olympic gold champion you know, behind the bench leading the program would be enough to at least pique the interest of guys, you know, from all over the country, maybe even down South in the United States, right? You look at a a program like UNB that's notorious for bringing guys from all odds and, you know, ends of the earth, you know, they'll, they'll recruit Americans if it works out Uh, Saskatchewan, not so much. So I'm, I'm really eager to see how that changes if it does at all.
1: Yeah. He's a proven or he's a proven winner, right? That's the biggest thing that I've noticed from it. And I kind of just was going to ask you, like I saw just on social media some people are saying that this is like a two-year trial like he's gonna get his own assistant coach and he's gonna like prep him to take over the program in two years right
5: right and I mean what a deal though for the University of Saskatchewan right Unbelievable. Like they, I think honestly I think everybody wins here I think Mike Babcock gets a chance to go home and and rehab his image a little bit with this program I think it's obviously great for U sports hockey because everyone's talking about U sports hockey right now it's great for the players because they have an opportunity to work with you know a world-class caliber coach and the University of Saskatchewan aren't paying this guy he's on a two-year volunteer contract so you're getting one of the most qualified coaches right now in the hockey world for free to come in and build your program over the next two years and set them up for success years after he's gone like that's an unbelievable deal right like they're not spending a penny on this now I'd imagine they probably uh, put some salary to the uh, the assistant coach, whoever that ends up being, uh, and obviously transitioning into a, uh, a head coaching job that'll become a full-time. Uh, and uh, what a great deal for the University of Saskatchewan because now there's a ton of publicity around this. I mean, if, if you can't get the idea of Mike Babcock coaching the program to get people, by the way, in a, a brand new facility, which is all, you know, ready to go, if that doesn't get people in seats to watch these games, I mean, you know, what else will, right? Like, I I could just see it now. Merlis Belcher Arena just absolutely packed. Mike Babcock behind the bench. Canada West final against the Alberta Golden Bears. Like, you know, that sounds like a great time to me. So I think the University of Saskatchewan are the real big winners here.
0: Let's talk about what the team will maybe look like next year. Obviously there's going to be some roster changes. Taron Cozen, he elected to turn pro there when kind of no season ended up happening. Uh, Connor Hobbs, he was a big time acquisition coming in from Hershey, Saskatoon kid. What are you kind of expecting for there, uh to be like for roster turnover with this Huskies team? And maybe would a guy like Babcock help guys maybe decide to stay?
5: Well, th- this is where it's, it's a bit tricky, right? Because again, we're so far out of a uh, potential start date for a season. There's so much that can change. Uh, you know, in a lot of cases, I mean, you know, just to use Canada West example, take a guy like Dakota Krebs who just committed to the University of Calgary, just got a uh, tryout with the Marlies the other day. So possibly comes back to the University of Calgary, but who knows? Let's say the tryout with the Marley goes, Marlies goes really, really well. And then all of a sudden he's got a pro deal on his table. So uh, r- recruiting is always a fickle process and even more so uh, during a pandemic. But for Saskatchewan, I, I think no matter what, they're, they're going to have a strong roster again um, next season. I, I, I wouldn't expect them to take really any steps back at all. Um, maybe a team like Mount Royal or, or University of Calgary take that step up that they've been so close to making over the last couple of years and, and really give Alberta and Saskatchewan a good run for their money. Uh, but obviously Saskatchewan's going to have to find a way to, you know, replace Terran Cozen. I mean, he's been so good for, for so long. And then before that they had Jordan Cook, right? Which to me is the still the craziest thing about the Saskatchewan team is you had what for my money was the best goaltender in the entire country at the time and Jordan Cook. And he moves on, you say, well, how are you going to replace him? And then you get a darn near perfect season out of Terran Cozen. So uh, the goaltending bar has been set, you know, really, really high for the university of Saskatchewan. So I'm, I'm, interested to see uh how they can try and you know turn that into to extended success i mean travis child who was their backup last year uh does he turn into a guy that that you know takes the full brunt of a youth sports hockey season you know I, I don't know and for sure they're going to need a guy to back him up so some questions there in that for sure but i, I still think that it's, it's a rock solid roster like you, you look at the team that they put on the ice last year and they've had really this wealth of depth for a a long time and some of the guys that, you know, aren't everyday players in the lineup, like Jordan Catch, who's playing like fourteen games a year, like he's still a really solid player. He's gonna play on a, you know, a lot of a good university hockey teams, but on a team like Saskatchewan, you know, he's gonna get shuffled down in the lineup a little bit just because they're so top heavy with talent. So if they manage to get a lot of the guys back that that I think they will, uh there's no doubt in my mind that that they'll still be a strong contender. It's just a matter of whether or not they can get it done in the big game, right? You, you look at this team and, you know, the uh, the runs they've had at the University Cup without actually getting it done, right? One and six with the one national title coming back in uh, 1983. So that, that'll be the big thing right here for from Mike Babcock is you've got a national championship caliber roster. Can they actually get it done in, in a tournament that, as you guys know, is so cutthroat, right? One game and you're out you know, in the quarterfinals, like, Saskatchewan found out the hard way uh, when they lost to Western at the last U Cup.
1: Yeah, they were the only team that got eliminated, right, technically? <laughs> <laughs> got well, no,
5: no, no, the, uh, the Guelph Griffins lost to, to St. Mary's as well, so that was the day, the first day of the U Cup was the day that everything was going haywire here, uh, and, and I was on a bus halfway to North Bay with the Mississaugas, so got a call from Commissioner Dave Branch telling us to turn it around, we're, we're putting the season on, and I, I flew on St. Mary's and Guelph, and like nothing's wrong, and in, in Halifax, they're just you know cruising along, like nothing's happening, and everyone's having a good time. And I thought, like, yeah, that's exactly how I would have expected it. U Sports is the cockroach of of hockey. You know, nuclear apocalypse, it'll be the last thing standing, no matter what. So you know, when, when the U Cup had to to call it quits and had to get real serious. Last I know we've heard. seen
0: uh, the WHL. Or go ahead, Major. Sorry, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric.
2: Uh, As you say, recently, we've seen kind of the WHL adopt the bubble format. And then, um, so are you kind of surprised that maybe U-Sports hasn't tried to do something like that, even for a few games, or even try to do something in the summer?
5: Uh, Well, not really. Um, I mean, they've they've got some exhibition games going right now in the Atlantic uh, University Conference, which doesn't surprise me. Obviously, the the Atlantic Maritime Provinces are kind of in a bubble of their own right now. Uh, But uh, so much of this, guys, has to do with money and what are the universities willing to put into their athletic programs to, to make this happen and you know where it gets really complicated here is if well if we're going to bubble a men's hockey team or a men's hockey season within a conference then universities feel like they have to do that for all their sports they'd have to bubble volleyball they'd have to bubble basketball uh, and it, there's many sports that they can to try and make them work that's, that's just kind of the, the equal policy that, uh, that university sports in, in Canada has. And obviously then your, your costs skyrocket at that point and and it becomes very difficult um, in terms of trying to, to make all those logistics work with, with multiple sports and multiple leagues. The, the closest thing I heard to a bubble was uh, some rumblings I heard back in May of last year about what McGill had going with the, the potential of an athlete's village. And if anything, just having, uh, all their athletes stay on campus and have access to their athletic facilities. Be able to work out every day. Be able to be on the ice every day. Not necessarily playing regular season games, but maybe having Queens come in or you know Concordia, the other Montreal team, come in and and have like a, a small exhibition series. So uh, I think if it if it works and it's not too, uh, too expensive for universities, they'd be interested in doing it. But unfortunately. The reality, for the longest time, and and still continues to be the biggest reality that we face, and in, in terms of challenges with growing university sports as a whole in Canada, is that the money from the top end of the universities does not see the athletic programs for whatever reason. And and you know we talk a lot about the comparison between the NCAA and U sports. Well, what's so different about university athletics in the states? You know, well, the, there's so much money running into it because for whatever reason, the high ups. For universities in the States to see so much more value, uh, I think specifically in football, but in all NCAA athletics than we see in Canada. And for whatever reason, it, you know, it, it's just been like that for the longest time that, that uh, the people that make the decisions and really swing the money around here, uh, universities in Canada, just don't seem to seem don't seem to see the same value.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate when all the profs are taking all the money from a university <laughs> and they can't even teach you.
5: I've run into a couple situations over my time. I mean, look, you run it. If you're a university hockey player, if you're a university hockey coach, if you have anything to do with university hockey, you're going to run into one of those situations where it's like, what are we doing here? You know? And the, the best example, maybe I can, I can use here to, to, to illustrate this is look at the facilities we have um, with, with some of the university hockey programs. Like I come from Ryerson where, Bar none, we have the best facility in Ontario being Maple Leaf Gardens, right? It's, it's incredible, but then, you know, like York university playing on public ice at, at Canlin ice sports and it, it's, it's like, it's not even close, right? Like it, university hockey should not be played on, you know, like public ice. Like the, 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 York lions are having to negotiate practice time between like public skates, right. Under <laughs> Normal circumstances. So. Yeah, like that that's that's one of the massive differences between you know what we have in university hockey and what we have in junior hockey, it's just the the facilities and you know that's a university administration thing. Like if if the universities wanted to have, you know, state of the art hockey rinks, state of the art basketball, gymnasiums, whatever it is, like we we could make that happen, but the money just isn't being filtered into those areas to make it a reality.
0: Maybe another Big difference between uh, collegiate sports south of the border and north of the border is the television deal. Last year, there was no home for the University Cup on television in Canada. Do you think Mike Babcock could be a bit of a needle mover? Like, I think that if I'm U sports right now, I'm going to the networks and I'm pitching like, hey, this is probably the biggest in-season storyline in the history of U sports hockey. This could be something that could really move the needle in terms of ratings in the country.
5: Well, the the TV deal is uh interesting yeah certainly that's that's a massive difference between ncaa and and U sports is that the tv money that 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 comes with collegiate athletics in the states is you know just worlds worlds ahead of what we have here in canada i was lucky enough to get the last two u cups on sportsnet and and i had a blast doing those and it was kind of sad to see it go but i understood why like our our numbers and I, i don't have direct access to them but the, the numbers weren't great. And, and especially, I mean, look, when we called the, the last one on sports, the university cup final, uh, last university cup final that was played in Lethbridge, you know, was played on a Sunday night. We were competing with, uh, Leafs in Winnipeg. I think it was on, on hometown hockey on a Sunday night. Like that's, you know, that's the, and hometown hockey was in Lethbridge. So we had, we had Ron and Tara Sloan out in the parking lot doing hometown hockey. And I think there were more people outside for that event than there were in the building. Um, MAC center for uh, the, the university cup final between UNB and Alberta, which I thought was kind of a shame. Like I don't understand why we couldn't move the, the game maybe to an afternoon or late afternoon time slot to, to create some synergy there. Right. Um, but I, I think right now for, for you sports are going to have a really tough time getting back on, on national TV, especially when uh, the, the big companies, TSN and, and sports that are, if if they can't make money off of something, I don't think they have any interest in in taking those rights at the moment, uh, given the current economic landscape. So maybe, I mean, CBC's long been rumored. CBC just had the Vanier Cup, uh, which is, uh, I mean, that, that's the biggest property eSports has to sell is the Vanier Cup. And I know there's been lots of talk about uh, reuniting the Vanier Cup on Grey Cup weekend, and then maybe having TSN do that, like they used to do with it, the Vanier Cup and the Grey Cup in, in the same weekend, which, uh, I think it would be great to see that happen again. But, yeah, in, in terms of university hockey, guys, I just think it's a really, really tough sell. I, I think U Sports would be better served right now to lean into live streaming and try and make that the best possible product, quality of product they can get right now and do what they can, take this as an opportunity to make these games as visible as they possibly can, because I think that's a massive problem for us is a lot of people today are like, what is U-sports hockey? Why is Mike Babcock going there? You know, like th- people don't know that these players are still high-end, high-level hockey players that are going on to play pro afterwards, and and visibility is a big problem for us in, in U-sports hockey. So I think there could be an advantage there to trying to try and use the current landscape to uh, make the games and make the players and programs Uh, ultimately more visible, whether that's the University Cup. And the one that I've always said, that the most important games for me, guys, are the specialty games, the Crowchild Classic in Calgary, uh, the Frosty Mug in Guelph, the the Steel Blade at at Brock, where you've got big crowds, you've got good facilities, you've got exciting hockey. Like, it's everything. If we could find a way to get those games on TV, get the Crowchild Classic where it's Calgary and Mount Royal going down to the wire in overtime for, like, the 5,000th time, with 10,000 university students going bananas in the stands, that's going to get some legitimate numbers. I, I really think like that's, to me, those are the events we need to be pushing in terms of visibility. University cup is great, but for me, the crown jewel of, of university hockey is the, the specialty events where where it's a full student crowd and, and it's the full deal. Like we see at the Crouchog Classic and Frosty Mug among others.
0: We've heard about the Marner instant. Do you think there's any like hesitancy if you're a if you're a kid coming out of the WHL right now thinking maybe hey, I don't really want to go through all all that aspect with Babcock?
5: I can't speak for everyone, but I talked yeah. to players today about that. Uh, a couple of them, a couple of guys that are still on the team, uh, just to kind of read the pulse, like how how do they actually feel right about this? Because I think it's a legitimate question to ask coming into this, given uh, you know what's come out about him in, in recent years without a doubt the guys I've talked to are stoked like they're they're absolutely buzzed about having Mike Babcock come in and coach this program so I haven't seen a whole lot of hesitancy yet in in regard to that but here's my other thing too about this is Mike Babcock's got to be on his best behavior here and he knows it like if it comes out right and he goes to Saskatchewan it comes out after like a year or so that that you know he's been you know too hard on these kids that he's pulling the same stuff that you know got him into trouble with Marner and all that stuff with friends and like now, he's done. He's done. Like if you go to Saskatchewan and you blow that opportunity, like there's no way, there's no way this guy's going to get back to the NHL if it goes sour at Saskatchewan. So he knows this, he's got to be on his best behavior there. I really think he will be because he wants to coach in the NHL again. There's, there's still a lot here for Mike Babcock to lose. So that's why I think this is a good opportunity just for him himself to, to rehab his image a little bit here to go and, and work with university hockey players and and, uh, and kind of prove to everybody else that, that, you know, he's changed a little bit and he's, he's learned from those experiences. So I, I really think, you know, when this is all said and done that, uh, that this this is gonna be a positive experience for for everyone involved.
2: And we're a better place to kind of rebuild your image exactly where it started, huh?
5: Yeah, more or less. I mean, yeah, it's, like I said, I think it's a win for everyone. I really do, like, I, I think, for for the players for saskatchewan and and for mike babcock and and a lot of people are, are surprised about it today and and i get that because it's not every day that you get a you know olympic champion stanley cup champion to just you know come in and take the range of a university program but when you really look into it deeper and you really unpack it like it makes so much sense to me that i don't think it's really that surprising at all
0: last one here for you did you hear any other names in the mix
5: for Saskatchewan, no. No, I fellas, I've I've been uh taking it easy the, <laughs> the last couple of months. I mean, I used to be dialed into this league, you know, every little thing uh would at least uh pop up on my radar at some point. But uh no, the the last eleven months or so I've well actually it's been a little less than that. Cause I was I was still kinda covering the league pretty close until May. And then honestly, it just started to get so wild with no one knew what was going on with, with COVID and how it was going to affect the season. I'm like, no, nah, no one's paying me to do this. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking it easy, knocking, a, knocking back a couple of drinks and enjoy the summer. So no, to answer your question, I, I didn't hear anyone else, but I did hear some rumors about Mike Babcock back in December, uh, potentially being in for that job. But I, I don't know how many people actually took them seriously until the last uh, few days. So obviously today.
0: Cool. Well, we appreciate you doing this on short notice. All the best here going forward, Victor. Hope to see you on TSN uh, a couple more games this season.
5: Yeah, well, they they got me penciling in for uh, a few more here uh, later into the spring. So I'm looking forward to those. Should be a good time. And thanks for having me, guys. Always enjoy talking university hockey.
0: Well, guys, I think we'll wrap up there. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. As always, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll have another episode coming next week. Until then.